I'm training myself um, to not say things like good morning and actually say you know, good moment um, since we are so spread out in time zones. So yeah, lovely to see you all. And uh, seems like the local community is also happy that we're getting together. I can hear the the, the honks starting out on the road. Um, so we can just include that in our community and just think, yes. They are. Uh, that's their way of, of telling us they're here too. So just a couple of things uh, before we flow into the instructions for this morning. Um, the first one is um, just about some uh, awareness around the, the, the having the camera switched on when, when you're not actually meditating. Um, so, you know, some of us, it's, it's, you know, it's actually quite helpful to just stay logged in, um, but um, then we might not necessarily remember that the camera's on be doing something that uh, kind of we wouldn't necessarily do in a meditation hall. Um, so just having some awareness around that and you know this morning particularly someone wanted to apologize because they forgot the camera was on and they walked to the shower um, and uh, so um, we're bringing their apology to all of you in case you viewed that um, and we can all have that that awareness in our practice. It's, Part of the can be quite beautiful, and a few people have mentioned that that sense of um, our, our home or our you know one of the rooms in our home or a space that we're making into the meditation hall that becomes the meditation hall, and so that can be quite a beautiful practice to extend that awareness. Yeah. Actually, this is this is the hall, and so of course you don't need to log off completely just to just to turn off the. And um, another, um, something else, which is just for the MMTCP participants, um, just to say, you know, we realize that there's, for some of you, there's a kind of extra layer of stress um, on this retreat with a sense of needing to, um, uh, to kind of comply with, with uh, requests of the program. Um, and so just a real encouragement to see if we can just relax that tension, relax that contraction, um, and really be on the retreat, yeah, which is, you know, that's what you're doing, that's why you're doing it, that's why you were asked to do this, um, and so just, you know, don't worry about, you know, are they logging that I'm here or not, yes we are, <laughs> okay, just kind of keep less, letting, letting us know when you're in a session, we're also doing some, we've got another way of checking as well, um, but just keep letting us know that's really helpful for us, and then relax, <laughs> yeah, relax, mm. yeah, just, just a real encouragement with that, because we really, you know, for us, we're, we're offering this retreat for you, for your life, for your practice, yeah, that's our priority, um, and we would really like that, you know, for you to feel that and, and to be able to, to kind of dive into that. So, today we're, I'm going to offer some more um, possibilities of deepening yeah, um, insight ways of looking. Yeah, practices of insight, um, ways of looking that, that free us. Um, but before I do that, I also just want to say, um, we've, we've offered a lot of material already <laughs> to work with on this retreat. Yeah. It's already been a lot. And our kind of approach on any retreat that we teach, uh, for Nathan and myself, is a sense of what we're offering here is not just for these six days. Okay, so trust your sense of 
what's useful for you and kind of how much you can take in yeah. and, and apply and explore in, in such a, a short period of time. And so if there's a sense of, oh, there's already a lot, or oh, I'm already working with practices that are really rich, <laughs> they're really working with me, there's something I'm doing that's really valuable, then, you know, listen right now, kind of open, listen, receive, uh, but feel free to say, okay, I'm leaving this for later. Yeah. I'm leaving this for another time. Yeah. These recordings are going to be available to you for as long as um, there's internet. Yeah. And you're able to access them. Okay. So these recordings are going to continue to be available. You don't need to kind of catch it all now. So having that sense of appropriateness for yourself. Yeah, so for today and tomorrow, the invitation is, yeah, listen to when we're offering the instructions. But, you know, practice them in the, in the guided bit if, if that's possible. And then you can feel, okay, that's, you know, that's enough. And I'm, I'm going, keep going with what, um, with what is already flowing for you, with what feels like it's, it's where you're um, exploring the practice right now in a fruitful way. So yesterday in the talk, I, I uh, sp spoke about the relationship between dukkha, yeah, this whole range of unsatisfactoriness in our experience, dukkha tanha, which um, can be translated, usually is translated as craving, and we're using also demanding and push-pull. And I'm going to try and just use tanha, but, you know, <laughs> other words may come in, so I'm just putting in the whole range, yeah. It can be spoken of as craving, demanding, push-pull as well. The relationship between dukkha, tanha, and the sense of self, and the fact that um, they all arise together, yeah. Mutually, mutually arising, yeah, the Buddha said, mutually arising. When one is there, the others are there. Mutually arising, mutually dependent. One cannot exist without the others. And there's a fourth aspect that arises, and we'll be working with that today. And the fourth is contraction. Yeah. Contraction in the body, contraction in awareness. And we've referred to this already. We've spoken about, for example, you know, that when there's something unpleasant, our um, awareness tends to shrink around it, contract around it. Yeah, we spoke about that already. But we can equally, the contraction equally arises also, yeah, with any form of tanha not just with the unpleasant, with any form of tanha, including around the pleasant. And we can really feel it in the body. This is why the push-pull is quite a good way of speaking of the tanha. Yeah? It's like we're reaching out to something. Change my screen so you see more of my body. <laughs> reaching out, we're wanting something. We can feel the contraction, yeah? Or the, the pushing away with what we don't want. Yeah, or the kind of like... When it's neither, we're not going to spend a lot of time with this, but when it's neither pleasant or unpleasant, there's just this kind of floppiness. <laughs> and that's also a disengagement yeah, with experience. Yeah, kind of disengage. So when there's dukkha and when there's tana, there is contraction. Yeah. When there's dukkha and there's tana, there is contraction. And today we're going to explore this and work more with contraction as a way of reducing tanha and dukkha. Okay. So let's explore this a little bit more. Let's say a little bit more about this. I'll try and get go slow. I tend to get excited. <laughs> maybe you, maybe you get a sense that you know I love these teachings, yeah, and I love this practice. And it doesn't matter. How often I practice it doesn't matter how often I speak about this, I get excited, yeah. Because this is so radical, so revolutionary, so um, freeing. Yeah. 
So let's, let's explore this a little bit more. So when we get what we want, when we spend, a, you know, and the more subtle our attention goes, the more we can um, see, yeah, deeper layers of how our experience is fabricated, how it's built up, we see that there's this um, wanting and not wanting, yeah, this demanding, this push and pull that comes with the contraction. Most of the time, when we get what we want or when we get rid of what we don't want, there's a sense of relief that comes with that. Yeah? A sense of relief that comes with that, uh, which is like a form of happiness. Yeah? And generally, we associate that relief with the getting of the thing, <laughs> yeah? or the getting rid of the thing, or often with the thing itself. Yeah? So I want to have some calmness in my practice and I, you know, I get the calmness and then I associate it with you know, the calmness rather than that um, relief, that um, uh, relief of the, of the tanha itself and of the contraction. So I, I use this example a lot, but there was some research uh, done, I think quite a few years ago now in the US, um, where they were trying to, to measure and to understand um, happiness. Um, and so they kind of put a lot of different senses on people that were measuring all kinds of things that they associate with happiness. And uh, they sent them out to a shopping mall uh, with a credit card <laughs> and they send them out to, to do some shopping which, you know, not what I associate with happiness but, you know, anyway. And they were measuring what happened, yeah, what happened in the degree of happiness. Um, you know, people were wandering around the shops, finding something they wanted, choosing it, you know, maybe trying it on, the whole process, going, standing in the queue, um, paying for it, getting the bag with it, walking out, right? That's pretty much the process when you go shopping, I think. Um, and so the interesting thing was with this, uh, at least for me, was at the peak of the happiness that people were feeling. Yeah. And I'm going to let you guess, um, but, you know, so if you can guess and put into the chat when you think that the happiness uh, was at its highest. Uh, but, you know, don't cheat, please. You know, if you've heard me speak about this or you know this research, keep it to yourself. Let's see, before they went shopping, trying it on, when they pay, when they buy things for other people, this is beautiful. <laughs> Ooh, there's a lot. When they walked out, when they are first given the credit card, <laughs> when they first saw it, when they were planning. Okay, there's lots of options. Right before going in, yeah, being able to make the decision at the beginning, when they were given a credit card. I'm not sure if it was their credit card or someone else's, by the way. When they left the shop, as soon as they owned it, before they went shopping, the anticipation... Okay, I'm going to stop reading because this is great when they went outside. Lots of guesses. Lots of guesses. Okay, so the peak in the happiness was the moment when they were standing at the till, at the cashier. I think till is British English, isn't it? Um, and they're handing over their credit card. Yeah? So that, that moment, they're standing at the till, they're handing over the credit card. The other person's about, to, you know, is, is, is maybe got it in their hand. <laughs> And anyway, they know they're paying for it. They know the thing is theirs, but they haven't got it yet. Okay? It's theirs, but they haven't, they haven't, yeah, that moment. Okay? And so if we look at it, you know, from the Buddha's teachings perspective, why is that? What happens there? Why is that the peak? Yeah? I know it's mine. I haven't gotten it yet because, yeah, that's the relief of the craving and the clinging and the contraction, and the demanding, yeah, the tanha, all of that, the push-pull, I know it's mine. Um, but once I've gotten it, this tanha is such a strong mechanism in us that immediately it goes to something else, it starts looking. Yeah. Where else am I going to get 
the happiness. Okay? Where else am I going to get the happiness? And the interesting thing for us, um, and this is really fundamental for us, you know, this, this thing that we're not aware of and it, it propels us in life. Yeah? Look for something to get rid of or to have. So the happiness is not just in the object. Yeah, and when we say object, you know, it can be, you know, a job, a livelihood, um, you know, a relationship. Um, it can be a lot of things. It's not just going shopping. Yeah? It can be a lot of things. The happiness is not just in the object. Yeah? It's actually in that way of relating that reduces, relieves that, that tanha yeah, and that contraction. And this is what we're exploring through practice. Yeah? This is what we're exploring through practice. And particularly today, finding that relief, finding that happiness by going directly to the relief of the tanha. And directly to that. And you may, you know, this is something you've, you know, I can guarantee you've experienced on this retreat already, even if it was for a fleeting moment, yeah? There's moments of ease, yeah? Are moments when the tana and the contraction release and relax, yeah? And it may have just been a fleeting moment. It's probably been more than that. Because yeah. another thing we're having to contend with is that our minds tend to kind of skip over that. They don't register that so much. So, you know, another way we can say it is the release of, you know, not needing to get, not being fixated and obsessed with needing to get rid of something. Yeah, or to get something for happiness actually brings more more ease, more well-being. Does this make sense so far? the last bit yeah so that I'll try <laughs> um, that sense of um, that actually we can go directly yeah to release the, the, the craving the tanha and the contraction themselves yeah rather than what we habitually do which is to get the object or get rid of the object in order for that release to come yeah which is then very fleeting yeah so if we can cultivate ways of going directly to the tanha yeah, and we have something much more powerful, yeah, much more powerful. Um, and often, um, you know, in our practice, what happens is that we um, kind of open and relax that at needing to get or needing to get rid of something. You know, when we've worked with um, the unpleasant, the painful, yeah, or the uncomfortable, for example, that's part of what we've been doing, right? We've been relaxing the aversion and the resistance, yeah. And then actually there can be more ease that comes through that. So, here's the one-liner to remember. Okay? Craving, or tanha, is dukkha. Yeah? And dukkha is contraction. Yeah? Those three, that relationship. Yeah? Tanha is dukkha, dukkha is contraction. And actually, I just want to... I realize we haven't... um, could be helpful for you to see how those words are spelt. So I'm just going to put dukkha and tanha in to the chat in case you know you want to refer to them at another time. So tanha is dukkha, craving is dukkha, and dukkha is contraction. Um, so what this means is that we can work with the contraction uh, in the body or in the space of awareness. So if you're working with sound, it would be in the space of awareness, perhaps, more than in the body. Mm. Um, And, you know, we can also have this distinction between physical body, and I'm only going to mention this briefly, and kind of what we're calling an energy body, which is this wide space of awareness that we've been talking about. And recognizing the contraction there, and that knowing when there's contraction, and there's no Pali word for contraction, no. Um, that um, 
when there's contraction, there's dukkha. Yeah, knowing that relationship. Yeah. And so when the tanha fades uh, or, or is relieved, the body becomes more spacious. And we know this. You know, when we have a sense of ease, yeah, when we're at ease with life. And for many of us, for example, in nature, we have this experience, right? When we're out in nature, something just relaxes in the whole being, right? And so we're less, we're wanting less. You know, we're pushing and pulling less. And there's a sense of ease and there's a sense of spaciousness in the body. Less contraction. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I, another example I often give is for this is um, often if you're, um, this hasn't happened to me for a long time now, but um, if you're around a very, very young creature, yeah, like a, you know, a baby that's just, you know, a few weeks old or, you know, another being that's very, very young and you're just either physically in contact with them or holding them or around them, often also there's a sense of this ah, softening and opening. So we might have different, you know, some people's to do with creativity, music, might be other forms of art, yeah, when there's just that sense of less demand and it comes with openness and spaciousness in the body. So we know this. When the tanha goes down, when there's less demand, there's also more space, less contraction in the body field. So we can see this, yeah? And we can make this, we turn this into an insight way of looking. Actually, Rob turned this into an insightful way of looking for us. And so practice in this way. Uh, you can practice through looking, yeah? Using this like a lens, yeah? And looking at phenomena, looking at appearances, looking at experiences as, ah, dukkha because of the contraction. Mm-hmm. Dukkha because of the contraction. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, another insight that's here, you know, when we work with contraction and spaciousness and openness in the body, the insight that is underlying that is the way the body and mind mirror each other. And again, we've touched on that. In the world of fabrication, this is called bodily fabrication. The body shapes experience also. So as we relax the tanha, we relax the body. And as we relax the contraction in the body, we relax the tanha. And alongside that, the dukkha. Okay, I'm going to say something now which is the deep end, but I want to say it. <laughs> yeah, it's relevant for many here. Yeah. Whatever, when there's an object in attention, yeah, when there's an object in, in attention, there will be some degree of tanha with it. Yeah, because that is needed to hold attention on an object. Yeah. And so there'll be some degree of contraction and some degree of dukkha. Yeah. And it's important to say that if we're talking super subtle here, yeah. but kind of this is where the teachings are going. Yeah. So if some people hear that might arise. Yeah. And so when there's complete, um, when completely relax and release, a complete relief of the tanha, yeah, and of the contraction, actually experience itself will fade. Yeah. But that's really the deep end, yeah? but relevant for some people here. And maybe relevant to, all, to any of you at some point. Yeah. I'm sorry, I, I, can't, uh, I'm, I can't also um, respond to questions while, I'm, um, while I'm, I'm kind of giving the instructions. So maybe we can keep those for the question and response afterwards. Yeah, I apologize for that. And so another interesting thing with this is the stronger or the more gross, yeah, the tanha is, yeah. And tanha will come often with grasping, yeah, or clinging, these are the, the words that we use, yeah. Um, the stronger the tanha, the stronger the contraction, the more gross. 
the firmer the grip in attention, yeah, it'll be more prominent, more like here, <laughs> yeah, and the more dukkha. So again, that relationship of mutuality between them. And it's a spectrum that it goes along. And so if one uh, goes down, the others go down. Yeah, the spectrum. Okay, Maxa, I'm actually going to respond to your question because it's, it's important. Does that also apply... Um, to equanimity, the sense of, um, you know, that there's some degree of, of clinging. Um, yes, uh, because equanimity itself is a spectrum, yeah, and, and it has different shades. It's, it's actually quite a really rich area of exploration. It has different shades. There's different types or flavors of equanimity. Um, and so actually when there would be complete equanimity, there'd be no push and pull. So one way that we can see equanimity is the, is the um, kind of comp- like when there is no push and pull at all. Yeah, no push and pull at all. And if there's no push and pull at all, there'd actually be no objects in attention. <laughs> and then actually there'd be nothing to be equanimous about. So it's a bit of a conundrum there. Um, but, uh, you know, we're talking super subtle there. Super, super subtle. But I think seeing equanimity as, you know, a reduction in the push and pull, yeah, that spectrum can be really, really helpful. Okay, so just uh, a couple of things. Um, Just a couple of things before we, we do the practice together. So sometimes we'll do this practice and there'll be a sense, but it's not working, I'm relaxing the contraction. (laughs) And, you know, there's no relief, you know. It doesn't, there's no effect. Um, so this relates to something I said, I think, a couple of days ago. Sometimes there'll be deal-making going on. Yeah. Yes. We're really good at deal-making. Really, really good. You know, I'll do this practice so that, you know, the unpleasant stuff will go away. And I'm not laughing at you. You know, it's just, this, I'm laughing at all of us. This is the human condition. We're just fantastic deal-makers. Um, and so there might be a subtle, you know, aversion to the phenomena there, just wanting to get rid of. Um, and then sometimes we can play with, with the words. So, you know, another way of seeing this practice is a practice of letting go, which might be a language that for many people here you're more familiar with, you know, um, a letting go. And when there's a subtle aversion, it's not so much letting go. It's like, shouldn't you be going? <laughs> I'm going to let go of you so that you leave me alone. Yeah, so it'll be that kind of subtle deal-making going on. And so sometimes um, we can slightly change that and um, shift it to letting, it, letting be. Yes, instead of letting go of something, it's just letting, letting something be, letting things be, letting this sensation be, letting the sound be, um, you know, letting this, um, yeah, whatever it is, thought be, you know, we just let it be, just let it be. And metta as an attitude is really helpful here, yeah, because this can get, for some people, it might already be feeling, oh, this feels quite cold and maybe scientific or uh, analytical, yeah, but actually metta is, is, is very closely intertwined with this practice. Um, so we can bring in more of the attitude of welcoming and of allowing um, and really to let things, you know, okay, you're welcome to arise, yeah, you're welcome to be. And you're welcome to go, yeah. But I'm not getting involved with that pushing and pulling uh, with that. Yeah. So um, having a, a sense of the meta attitude there um, present. So that's the that's the kind of um, overview. And uh, let's uh, let's practice together. We'll have about 25 minutes for a practice that I'll guide. Um, so if you need to, to stand up or stretch any part of your body and then settle into your posture. Um,
I'm just loving the honks. I think Nathan mentioned this, but we've we've had a, since we've been in Israel since um, March, and uh, living in an urban environment, which is not our usual habitat. Um, the sense of the the honks of the horns being, uh, I love you, um, and it, it you know when 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 I remember, it's just fantastic. Every honk is the universe saying I love you. That really relaxes the contraction, by the way. All right, so let's settle. Settle into the the posture. So as always, taking time to settle into the posture. And particularly tuning in to any adjustments or changes that need to be made so the body feels as supported, as stable, and as relaxed as possible. So that balance between uprightness of the posture with a sense of openness and ease. And for many of us, it's particularly worth exploring this around the whole torso, the back, and the shoulders and the chest. And also the neck and head. And so if it's helpful for you to feel the sensations of contact of the body with the seat and ground kind of on one side really grounding rooting and then from there flowing up sometimes helpful to almost imagine something gently pulling you up from the top of the head so the whole body's aligned And opening upwards, but also just generally opening. So with this, also attention to the shoulders and the and the chest. And if you're working with sound, if that's the appropriate object for you then seeing if we can open to sounds and just feel the space of awareness opening out to the sounds. And the space of awareness as, as large as the sounds that it's receiving. And in the body, with the body exploring, opening the space of awareness through the whole body, we've been doing this already through the days. So it might be that you gradually expand the awareness from the contact areas or from somewhere else and you open gradually, stretch it out. Open out the awareness so that it includes the whole body 
and possibly a space a little bit larger than the body. Sometimes it can be helpful to imagine uh, as if the body's sitting in a cocoon or a bubble of awareness that's surrounding the body as well as filling it up. So just play with this a little bit, see what works for you. And in both situations, body or sound, we're looking for this open, wide space of awareness, quite large, as large as the body. With sounds, it might be even larger than that. We're really tuning in to that space. The awareness, receiving experience, knowing experience. If you work well with felt sense images, with kinesthetic images, might be more a sense of that sensitivity of that field. So if it sounds, you can feel the sounds being received and moving through that field of awareness. If it's more body-based, just the sense of that sensitivity of the awareness. As it fills up the body space, and includes a sense of the whole body sitting here. And I'll just take a couple of minutes, I'll be quiet and let you establish yourself in that, either with a sound or with a space of awareness in the body. So we keep opening the awareness wide to the whole body, a little bit beyond the body. We're opening it wide to receive sound. And we're opening also to see what's the impact, what's the effect on awareness, on this field of awareness as different phenomena arise into experience. If you're working with sounds, it'll be the sounds. You notice the impact of a sound as it arises and kind of moves through and passes. If you're in the body field, it might be the breath or any other body sensations that are impacting. It might also be sounds sometimes that you just feel in that space of the body. And so we're including both the object of our practice, the sound or the body space, 
but we're also noticing what happens when so-called distractions arise. And we have a, just a very light touch of awareness here. It's kind of we're resting into that knowing, into that sensitivity, into that wide open field. And we're noticing the impact of phenomena. Whether it's the object itself, whether it's the so-called distraction. And we're remembering that the presence of tanha will be seen most clearly in the contraction. Yeah, contraction of the body space, the contraction of the awareness. So often this will happen with so-called distractions. Also happen if we're over-efforting, trying too hard to catch the object of our practice. We'll notice how the awareness is shrinking. we we'll open it out gently, lightly. And we might need to do it again almost immediately. That's okay. And we're training that skill of opening and relaxing and easing the contraction. So of course we need to keep doing it. So remember as we're doing it, we're we're training this. The skill of directly releasing the contraction, relaxing the tanha, and easing the relationship to phenomena. Easing the relationship to the phenomena. So I'm going to suggest a few ways of doing this. As always, the invitation, choose one. And just work with it for this part. And you can always come back to the recording and, and work with a different one at a, at a later time on this retreat or some other point. So the first one we're kind of already doing, yeah? We're intending to let go, to notice the impact on awareness of phenomena, whether it's the object itself, or a distraction. To just relax the body. Or open out the space of awareness, or both. Sometimes it can be a combination, body and awareness, not really separate. Especially if something has got quite a hold on awareness. There's quite a strong contraction around it. And relaxing the body in that area, around that area, can be helpful. Opening out to the whole space of awareness can be helpful. And the same might be around sound, you know, maybe some tightness around a particular sound, you just relax, invite it to relax, invitation, not a command, invite it to relax, invite it to let go. And sometimes a light noting can be helpful. So this can be, you know, a combination or a separate way of doing this. Just a very light noting, you know, just like opening, opening, or letting be. Letting be. 
or sometimes the reminder, this is dukkha. This contraction is dukkha. Some of us, that can be really helpful to support the release of the contraction, the release of the holding of the tanha. So I'll let you explore these two for a while and I'll offer another possibility. And they can be in combination or distinct. Yeah. It might be inviting the body to relax, opening the space of awareness, and you might include a mental, a verbal note or label or tag there, reminder opening, easing, allowing, letting be. So keep repeating the practice, easing, relaxing the relationship to phenomena whenever you notice the contraction. You can also do this by just allowing, welcoming, opening to the phenomena as fully as possible, as fully as possible. Again, that same tag, opening, letting be can be really helpful here. And you might even let go, you know, analyzing the particular phenomena. And just rest back, yeah, opening awareness wide. Rest back to receiving whatever arises. Now, whatever arises, welcoming and allowing it to be. Not even looking for contraction or dukkha, just welcoming it to be.
feeling the body, yeah, feeling awareness. What is it like to experience contraction in dukkha? What does it feel like when it is released, even to a small degree? Yeah, it's important insight. Even for a moment, what is it like? Can I let that insight go deep? If any sense of ease, of well-being, of relief, of pleasantness arises, stay with it. Spend time with it. This is helpful in absorbing and deepening into the insight. Opening. Allowing. Welcoming. Space of awareness wide. Stretched, expanded. The whole body and a little bit beyond the body or to the sounds that are arising and passing. This too welcomed and allowed, opening, opening to this phenomena, the breath, the body, the sounds. object of our practice or so-called distractions. What happens when you let it be?
So this is a practice that you can uh, keep weaving into the into the day. Yeah. Really helpful to have wide space. Yeah. Wide space of awareness, expanded space of awareness in the body or with sound. And just this sensitivity, yeah, this listening to contraction when it arises. And then one of these ways of responding, yeah, relaxing the tension in the body, inviting it to relax, just opening out the awareness, yeah, gently, gently, light, gentle touch with all of this, using this the verbal reminders of opening, yeah, of allowing, of letting be. Oh, for some of us, it's, it's kind of what really works is more just a general sense of welcoming and allowing and opening to phenomena. Yeah, we're just doing that. And of course, if there's openness and spaciousness, the contraction will naturally um, relax. So that's the invitation, if it feels appropriate to engage with another practice. Um, and the, um, the invitation with this, if you do engage with it, is to continue with what Nathan was saying yesterday. We still need a, a good degree of, of samadhi practice, of gatheredness, of calm. Yeah. So at least, um, I think, half the time, I would say, to do metta um, or to do breath um, or sound just as a, just as a um, gathering practice, you know, like we've been doing. You know, pleasant breath, long breath, comfortable breath, um, or metta, or working with sound if that's, if that's your practice. Um, and you can do that either through alternating practice periods um, you know, doing one like this, one like that, or through um, in one in one practice, doing half, more or less. Yeah, it doesn't need to be scientific. So, half of it um, with with a with a samadhi, with a gathering, the calming, and and half with the insight. You can also, of course, bring this into the walking. Yeah. Um, Hopefully that's clear how, but also in the walking we can definitely notice contraction, right? Both in the body and awareness, um, with sounds, um, so we can bring this also. And it may be helpful to stop and, and kind of, you know, you're walking and you might, for some of us, we can just keep flowing with the walking and work with the contraction. For others, um, it may be helpful to just stop and stand and work with the contraction for a while, um, ease it, and then um, and then go back to the walking. Um, and we can also just bring it to the walking, uh, just with a sense of intention. So one thing we like to do is to um, see, you know, can I walk as an act and an expression of peace and peacefulness? Yes, yeah? so this will also do this work. Yeah. So really having that intention, can I walk as an act and an expression of peace, harmony, love, you know, whatever, um, whatever of those kind of touches you or a slightly different one. A way of being, a way of walking on the earth that is not demanding much from life. Yeah. And it's going to be really beautiful. Yeah. Like, can I walk and my steps be steps of kindness, steps of peace? Yeah. Steps of not demanding. We just come back to that not demanding. Uh, that sense of opening and welcoming appearances and phenomena, both internally and externally as they appear. So yeah, I think that's the instructions for today, the suggestions. We always struggle with what to call this. Instructions feels a little bit, um, I don't know, not our style. But we'll relax the contraction around that. Um, 
And so we have time for walking practice. And for those who wish, the optional uh, question and response here in the hall. So if you want to um, take part in that, listening or asking, then uh, maybe we'll just have a couple of minutes, a minute or two in case people need to, to go and come back. And then we'll begin. And thank you all for your practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.